I suppose it probably feels a little odd that I'm still up here, but I want to say good morning to everybody, and welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus who build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I want to let you guys know that Aaron's not here this week, so I will be bringing the word to you, and I hope that you will find it satisfactory. If not, well, I'll still be here, so you can stone me if you like. <laughs> uh, I'd also like to remind everyone that this is our fifth Sunday, and as a fifth Sunday, it's, uh, we do a special focus on our missions. I want to mention in particular, we have a group out in Nebraska right now helping uh, one, of the Bible camp <clears throat> one of the Bible camps that we support uh, rebuild and get ready for the summer. Um, we've got uh, on the connection card on the back here, you can write um, fifth Sunday as you put your offering in there, uh, get more information about it. Or on your offering envelope, there should be a section where you can write, um, if you're going to give and you want to give to our missions, go ahead and write Fifth Sunday Missions on there, and that would be fantastic. Um, and so, the message. I want to focus on that statement that I said earlier, that we are disciples of Jesus who build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. This is something a lot of you guys should be familiar with, because Pastor Aaron says it every week when he comes up here. We are disciples of Jesus who build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Now, what does that mean exactly? What does that look like? Why is it that Aaron says it every week? Well, the memory verse that I have picked out this week, I think, is a pretty good uh, foundation for why we say this. Uh, this week, our memory verse is going to be Matthew chapter tw uh, 28, verses 19 through 20. And if you guys wouldn't mind reading this with me, that'd be fantastic. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You guys are doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, yes, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Uh, I always forget that part. I just skip right over it. <laughs> um, but you guys sounded pretty good, so let's go ahead and try it one more time. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I remembered that time. <laughs> you guys are sounding great, so I'm going to go ahead and take away some of those letters, and we'll give it one more try. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. So this is an important verse. Most of you should be familiar with it. If not, this is the great commission commanded by Jesus, the very last command that he gives in Scripture. This is what we mean when we say generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. And this is why we say it. This is the foundation of why we say we are disciples of Jesus who make generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. But that still leaves the question, what exactly does that look like? For the purposes of this, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'll give you a little bit of context here. Acts chapters 1 and 2 takes place immediately after the Great Commission. So Jesus gives this command in Matthew to go and make disciples and then he ascends up into heaven. Of course, the disciples stand there for a minute just looking up into the sky. I'm pretty sure you guys would too if I suddenly popped up out of the ceiling and descended into heaven. You'd probably all be staring at the ceiling too. But a couple of uh, angels show up and they tell the disciples, you have a job to do. Go and do the job. Go 
and complete that commission. And so the disciples, they leave that uh, spot, and they go back into Jerusalem where they hang out for a little while, um, and they develop the habit of going into the temple. They pick a new apostle to replace Judas, and they start just teaching in the, uh, in the temple. And then the Holy Spirit comes with a sound like a rushing wind and tongues of flame over the disciples. Now, there's some people there who kind of witness this, and it, it astonishes them. So they're really curious about it. They come and they listen, and these people come from all over the world. They come from Rome and from Egypt and from Syria, and they come to the disciples, and they hear the disciples speaking in their own language. So the Egyptian would walk up and hear the disciples speaking in Egyptian, and they're astonished by it. So they ask about it, and some people think that, oh, this is just some kind of publicity stunt. But then Peter gets up, and he gives the first sermon of the church, the end of which 3,000 people come to faith. 3,000 people were added to the number of the disciples. So that's where we begin. That's the church, and that's where I want to focus. In Acts chapter 2, at the very end, right after that, chapter 2, verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These converts, these 3,000 people, have come to focus on these things, these three things, teaching, fellowship, and prayer. Now, it says in here, they devoted. Now, for us, devoted is a pretty strong word. We understand it as setting something aside for a specific purpose. But I think the Greek is a little bit stronger in its phrasing. And so I want to focus on the Greek as well. So bear with me here. Esan de proskartorantes te didache ton apostolon, kai te koinania, te classe teo artu, kai tais prasukais. That's Greek to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to focus specifically on the, on the phrase at the very beginning, asan de proskartorantes. This is the phrase, and they devoted themselves. Now, the importance of this phrase, I think, is paramount to the idea of being generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. The first thing I want to focus on is the word asan. Asan, which means to be, to exist, to belong, to represent, or to be occupied with. This is important because this is the root phrase of ego eimi, or as we would understand it, I am. Now in the Old Testament, when Moses is trying to figure out how to tell the uh, Israelites who God is, he asks God, who should I say that you are? And God's response is, I am that I am. This is the phrase in Greek, I am. The root word, eisan, to be, to belong, to represent, in the single person. I exist because I exist, is what it would translate to literally. But this word, esan, is the plural of this. It is the plural third person. So it's these people over here, not just these people, all of these people over here. All of these people exist to belong, to represent, and to be occupied with. But what are they existing, belonging, and preoccupied with? Proskartorantes, which is to persist obstinately in associate closely, serve personally, attend constantly, persevere, remain faithful to, constant, diligent, diligent or obsess. The phrase asan de proscartorantes literally means they existed, occupied with the persisting obstinately and obsessing in te didache ton apostolon, the teaching of the apostles. 
They existed, occupied and persisting obstinately and obsessing in kai te koinonia te classe tu artu, and to the fellowship, the breaking of bread. They existed, occupied and persisting obstinately and obsessing in kai tais prasukais, and to prayer. Now, I could keep going on in the Greek, but I'm sure that's going to bore all of you to tears. So I'm just going to focus on those two words, asan proskartarantes. They existed obsessing with these ideas. They obsessed with the teaching, with the fellowship, and with the prayer. This is the beginning of the church. This is the first movement of the church, a movement which within 500 years spreads throughout the entire Roman Empire, the largest, most powerful empire in human history. This is the movement that within 2,000 years spreads all over Europe and into Asia, that within 2,000 years has spread across the oceans to the Americas today, and then back again across the oceans back into Asia once more. This is a movement of the church, the movement of the Holy Spirit, and it begins with this, dedication, this persisting obstinately and obsessing in the teaching, fellowship, and prayer. And so we are dedicated to teaching. The memory verse we have, Matthew 18, 19, says, Go and make disciples. A disciple is a follower, someone who comes along behind. But more than that, they are a student. They learn from the person that they are following. But even more than that, they are an imitator. A disciple doesn't just go along following and learning from. They actually go and imitate. They do the things that their mentor does. They say the things their mentor does. They act as if they are the mentor. They become a little follower, which is why we have the name Christian, which literally means little Christ. Disciples of Jesus follow after Jesus, following behind him, learning what he teaches. And so when the disciples went and taught those 3,000 people, they taught what Jesus taught. And what Jesus taught, as we understand, is Scripture. We look in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers." This is the devotion to teaching. This is the dedication to teaching. Someone who meditates on the scripture day and night will be like a tree planted by streams of water who does not wither and who produces fruit in season. This devotion to teaching, to God's own teaching, which he reveals to us through his people and the history that they have written down and through the scripture that they have written down and through the actions of the church throughout history, the teaching of the disciples. A dedication to this teaching brings blessing. And this blessing isn't just for us personally, although it is, because we gain from this dedication to Scripture and to teaching, we gain an assurance in what we believe. We gain an assurance in the faith that we have. But it also leads to blessing in others. Because as our hearts change, because of our dedication to this teaching, we start to impact the people around us. We act differently than the world because the Bible teaches us how to act differently than the world, and it catches people's attention. We act with kindness and humility and gentleness. But we get this from teaching, from a devotion to the teaching. 
ironically, one of those teachings is a devotion and a dedication to fellowship. Now, you might have noticed throughout Scripture, or maybe you haven't, but Jesus had fellowship. He had his 12 disciples, and even more than those 12 disciples, he had everyone else who followed him around. He fed 5,000 people. You can't have fellowship with 5,000 people if they're not there. King David in the Old Testament, he had fellowship. His 30 mighty men who went with him to war. Paul had fellowship. When he went on his mission to the Gentiles, he had um, Barnabas and he had John Mark. We have fellowship. Now, fellowship is demonstrated in many different ways, one of which is what we're doing right here, right now. The fellowship of the church coming together to worship God, to praise God, and to learn the teachings of God. That is a kind of fellowship. But we have more than that. We have uh, women's Bible studies, we have youth groups, we have men's get-togethers. We have fellowship with each other, and it's extremely important that we do. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We know from Scripture that fellowship is important. And in, the, in that first church, they, dev, they dedicated themselves, they devoted themselves to fellowship, to breaking bread together. And the implication here in Hebrews is that to not have fellowship is extremely dangerous. And we know that this implication is true because if you think about King David, the one time he did not have fellowship, what did he do? slept with another man's wife, and then killed him. He got in big trouble for it. He didn't have the faith by himself. His fellowship was important. And it's important for us, this, uh, this verse implies that faith is difficult when it's, when, you're, when it's done alone. It implies that doing the works of God, being loving and kind, is more difficult when you are alone, when you do not have fellowship. It implies that hope is harder to have when you're alone. Fellowship is what keeps us spiritually alive. Fellowship is what keeps us acting as a church. Fellowship is what makes us change the world. That first church in Acts was devoted to fellowship. They were dedicated to it. They were obstinately and obsessed with fellowship, pursuing it constantly. But they weren't just devoted to fellowship and to teaching. They were also devoted to prayer. All throughout Scripture, we see prayer. In the Old Testament, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who all prayed a lot. In fact, Jacob even prayed so hard that he ended up wrestling with God himself. Joseph, when he was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery, he prayed. He prayed to the Lord when he interpreted the dreams for the jailer and for Pharaoh. When Israel was enslaved in Egypt, they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard them and lifted up Moses to rescue them. And when Moses was leading the Israel, Israelites out of Egypt, he prayed to God constantly, so much, in fact, that the Scripture says that he spoke to God like a friend. And when Moses and his disciple Joshua died, the judges took over, and they called out to God. They prayed. And when they did, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them in power, and they were able to rescue Israel. David and the prophets, they called out to God. 
In fact, the Old Testament is so full of prayers, praises, and laments that if you were to remove them, you would lose all of the Psalms, almost half of the Old Testament by itself, and then you would lose all kinds of little aspects of the stories and the events. If you take prayer out of Scripture, you take almost half of it out. Prayer is everywhere in our faith. It is extremely important. But it's also in the New Testament. Jesus prays a lot. And Jesus is God, and he would go out early in the morning while it's still dark. He would go out and he would pray, and he is God. Prayer is extremely important to us. The apostles prayed. There's instruction in the New Testament how to pray. And in every letter of Paul has prayer in it. Prayer for individuals, prayers for churches, prayer in his greeting and in his, uh, his uh, final salutations. So it makes sense then that we should also be devoted and dedicated to prayer. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, um, I think it skipped over. Oh, it's missing. So there's a, there's a verse. <laughs> and it says... <clears throat> says, pray constantly, rejoicing, giving thanks for all things, for this is God's will for you. Or something along those lines. <laughs> um, but it says in there, pray continuously. Okay? And I could, I could go in the, uh, uh, oh, it's just got a different title. <laughs> thanks Mark <laughs> um, rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus <clears throat> pray continuously I, I did have the verse right <laughs> yep um, so it's, it's <laughs> I could talk about the Greek actually because <laughs> it says it says pray continually and our English understanding and the Greek understanding is pretty close to being the same. It's without ending, constantly, no end in sight. It sounds like a very, pretty difficult thing. But the implication that I want you to understand from this, praying continually, is that God cares about the little things and the big things. He cares about cancer when you're praying about cancer. He cares about the grief that you're going through when you've lost someone. He cares about those things. But he also cares about if you stub your toe in the morning. Praying continually means that even those little things, the little things that you think don't matter to you, don't matter to God, he cares about those too. Pray continually, pray about those things as well. And so I want to go back to Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is how... We become disciples who make transformational, generational disciples of Jesus. Now, the first thought in you guys' minds might be, well, yeah, that's the apostles. They can do that because they're gifted. No, this, it says they devoted themselves. They, those, all those people over there, referring to the 3,000 who had just come to faith. This wasn't the apostles who were leading. This was the average person. This was you guys sitting out here in the audience. You can do this. It is possible for you to be a disciple who makes generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Those people in that first church were dedicated. They were devoted. They were the people who went on to change the world into what we understand it to be today because they were disciples of Jesus and because they were devoted to teachings, to the fellowship, and to prayer. 
And so you might also be asking yourself, what can we do today, practically, to do these things? Well, I've got um, on your connection card, there should be some points on here. First one, of course, is to memorize the Great Commission. And you should have a little tab here with the Bible verse on there as well. And it's got a little bit extra because you need that encouragement as well. As it ends, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Because this is a difficult mission. Go and make disciples. Build it on your heart. As you memorize this verse, it will change who you are inside to be someone who will seek out that discipleship. Who will seek to impart that discipleship to others. So memorize it, because it will change you. You can also, it says on here, commit yourself to Bible study. Now, if you have no idea how to do that, or you want to you know, get an idea of where to start, we'll be doing Bible study classes here, starting next week. They'll be at 9.30. You're more than welcome to come. It also says to commit yourself to hosting or leading a life group, being part of fellowship being a part of something bigger than yourself, and being in a position where you have people around you to help you as you walk in faith, as you become a greater disciple of Jesus. And then, of course, commit to the Take 5 prayer list. Pray constantly. It's a good place to start. If you're not used to trying to pray over the big things and the little things, pray the Take 5 list, because it's just one prayer for five days. That's all you need to start. These things will help you to grow and become dedicated to being a disciple of Jesus who makes generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Commit yourself, dedicate yourself to being a disciple of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, your church, your disciples. We come before you to learn from you, to interact with you, to learn and to grow so that we can impact the world around us by becoming disciples who make generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. We ask for your guidance in this, for your strength, because that dedication is not easy on our own. That dedication is almost impossible on our own. We need you. Help us to become true disciples. Help us to leave this place with something that will allow us to grow closer to you and also lead others to you as well. We ask this in the most holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.